Welcome to another episode of Marketing 101 for Chiropractors, where we keep you ahead of the curve, attracting more new patients and growing your business. Now, here's your host, Dr. D himself. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Marketing 101 for Chiropractors. I've got a special guest this week. I've been working with Marianne for a long time and uh, she's actually a civil trials lawyer. So we work with her with PI cases, which I've learned so much moving from Canada to the US and how the game is played a little different. It's not a game, it's a system, but uh, I had to learn it. And Marianne has been a, a, a keystone in my learning here. Uh, super helpful, always answering emails, always answering texts, just just wants the best for the client. And when you share a client, it's really nice to have the other person in the corner that we all work together, like we're taught in school, a, a proper a proper care of patients. So thanks for being here, Marianne. Tell us a little Absolutely. bit about yourself. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'm a board-certified civil trial lawyer here in Florida in the Tampa Bay area. And before that, I was a registered nurse. So I always thought I wanted to be in the medical field. Uh, and after working in nursing for about six years, I decided I wanted to make a career change. I uh, went to law school, became an attorney, definitely knew I wanted to be a trial lawyer. And now I get to combine my medical background with my trial skills and help plaintiffs that are involved in personal injury actions. So I also do a lot of litigation for other attorneys throughout the state of Florida. So a lot of personal injury lawyers don't handle their own litigation and they will co-counsel with an attorney like me to take the case, file the lawsuit, and take it all the way through trial if need be. So I bring a lot of trial experience that a lot of PI attorneys and chiropractors especially don't typically get to go to trial. They're typically uh, many times not even deposed. They don't usually get to the courtroom. And so sometimes they don't see how these things go in front of a jury. And so I can give a lot of information on how these records come up, how the questioning looks, uh, and how these things look ultimately when it gets it to a jury, which is, you know, final game day. Yeah, that's your battlefield. I mean, that's where you guys take this for the clients. And uh, all we do is what our job is to really give the best care possible for our clients once they come in. And uh, we're going to touch on that because this is really, you say, well, what does this have to do with marketing? And we go, well, if you do a really good job here, lawyers like that and lawyers talk to each other and they know where to refer. And at the end of the day, as the years go by, you become a great source for your community. And if you do great notes and these things are, are winners and the cases are always documented properly, it, it comes to a great solution for everyone in the end of the day. So Marianne and I will go through a lot of that. So what, what do you find are the important things that chiropractors can do for a strong case? Absolutely. Chiropractors tend to be many times the first treater after an accident. If not the first treater, though, they're, they're treating with chiropractors very early on. And so what I find is the number one most important thing is early documentation of all of the patient's complaints. Many times people will have distracting injuries where, you know, maybe their neck is hurting the worst from the whiplash of the accident. And that's all they want to talk to the chiropractor about. But what's really important is for the chiropractor to really dig deep with that patient and ask about everything that's hurting from head to toe. Because what happens ultimately later on in the case when we get into depositions and we get up to trial, if they didn't complain about a symptom early, we're going to have a problem proving causation. And so it's really important to make sure you're asking the patient from head to toe the symptoms of a traumatic brain injury or concussion, uh, jaw symptoms, not just the spine, but also touch on all of the joints, you know, the shoulders, the knees, the elbows, the hips, whatever, uh, because many times those things are overlooked 
by chiropractors who are maybe focusing on the spine. And I get it. That's their specialty. Uh, but if those other things are not put in the records, the defense attorneys and insurance companies will have a field day arguing that, you know, why did that take three weeks to show up? Or why did that take a month to show up when you finally went to the orthopedist to complain about that? It's very right. difficult to relate injuries that weren't complained of very early on. So early documentation of all the injuries is super important in any personal injury case. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, simple things like, uh, how are you sleeping? How's your appetite? How did you feel? You know, how's your emotions? I mean, once you open up some of these boxes, you know, sometimes we get stuck in the uh, clinical aspect of the diagnosis of the injury that we get isolated. And that happens through personal injury, sports injury, wellness care. It all, it happens all the time in our profession, but these are the questions you ask everyone. So sometimes people are like, well, I don't really want to change my systems for uh, PI or for personal injury. I don't want to do PI. Well, people get hurt all the time. So you're doing PI whether you like it or not. Now, whether they hire an attorney or go the long distance, it doesn't matter. We're talking about proper client care here, which is great. I love this stuff. So asking them, you know, how they feel, the emotions. I do this all the time. So it just comes natural to my clinic and, and teaching our, our chiropractors about that. Uh, so early documentation, you talked about that. What about like, when we get into neurological stuff like uh, traumatic brain injuries or concussions or um, what's a, what are some good rules for a chiropractor to kind of diagnose early? Sometimes we think it's out of our scope or sometimes we think, oh, maybe this is a little bit too complicated. Way to handle that, and I've seen this uh, becoming more and more prominent, is a, a concussion checklist. Um, and And we have those all over the place. I can share that with everyone. But basically, this is just a simple checklist that you can give the client with their intake paperwork that they can fill out. And it's actually in my intake paperwork. When I meet with clients, I ask them everything on the list. It will ask about things like headaches, blurred vision, dizziness, changes in hearing, smell, taste, difficulty sleeping, um, you know, fatigue, the things you were talking about, mood changes, personality changes, forgetfulness, lack of concentration, um, word finding difficulty, all of those things. And it's a pretty exhaustive list, but the patient can just check the box and make the chiropractor aware that, you know, this may really be a problem. And from a chiropractic standpoint, you know, I understand there may be some limitations or some concern about diagnosing it, but just documenting the symptoms are what's most important. And then referring out to the appropriate specialists. You know, it's really all about just documenting the symptoms more than figuring out how to diagnose it and how to treat it. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Because once you have proper diagnosis, then we can play and and refer and get imaging and do all that stuff afterwards. So um, all of you across the United States have something along the PI, uh, P, pers- uh, PIP or MedPay. So I know you all know a little bit about this and we all have our own um, opinions about personal injury across the country, depending where we call it good or bad, but there is no good or bad because when we're in it to help patients, we got to do a good job. Do you recommend that all this documentation should happen on the first day that the, that the client comes into the office? Yes, that's the most important thing. Like I said, documenting things early and often is super important, but the first time something is complained of by the patient is the most critical time. I can't tell you how many cases I've been in trial with and they go to the ER. And this is a very common thing we see in the ER as well. The ER will only mention one part of the body or maybe one or two parts of the body. And then the next day after the adrenaline wears off, when people start hurting in all those other parts of the body, which we all know happens, maybe the first night you're only having pain in one area. The next day you wake up and everything's hurting from head to toe. Um, the lack of that complaint in the ER is something that the insurance companies really hang their hat on. So the more documentation you can do, the earlier in the case, 
um, that the client is complaining about and it's documented well in the records, the better it's going to be for them in their case in the long run. Right. So uh, for those of you that do wellness care, my practice is pr- primarily pediatric and mama focused and, and parent focused. So family care practice, you're not really thinking about injuries. You're thinking about wellness and, and, the, and the stuff that comes with health. So we do have documentation intake forms for families and we have specific um, intake forms for personal injury. The personal injury forms are 10 times larger than the wellness forms, but that's designed on purpose to give us as much information as possible, as early as possible, so that we can ask the right questions when they come in. So uh, go back to my my other podcasts about virtual consults and actually talking to these patients before that first day on the phone. It goes such a long way when they get a phone call from a doctor the day before they even see them on the phone and they're like, wow, I'm talking to the doctor. Yeah, I was in an accident this morning. Uh, Great. And you ask some of the simple questions you can prepare for that day too, to dig deeper when they come in. It's been such a great strategy for me. I've been doing it for about five years. It's, it's, uh, and they love it. I mean, they're like, wow, the doctor's actually calling me. Um, and trust me, you have time for this because your reputation's worth it. So that's great. Prior injuries and accidents. You asked about that. So typically these are overlooked. We call it minimizers in the chiropractic profession. The patients come in, they minimize everything. Oh, I'm fine. I had a personal injury just a few months ago. He was 72 and um, he's like, yeah, we were just going down the road and, and we got in a little side sweat swipe. And he shows me the picture after at the end of the adjustment, he's about to walk out. His car flipped onto the, onto the roof. <laughs> I'm like, James, listen, man, what, what, uh, this isn't a car accident. You rolled over your vehicle. Yeah, but it was slow. We tipped over. I'm like, did the airbag go off? He's like, yeah. I'm like, James, we're going to go to the ortho. I'm going to get you an MRI of your neck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's go figure this out because he was ready to walk out the front door. And uh, I'm like, James, you rolled it over. You're 72, buddy. Uh, just what people minimize, it's unbelievable. So uh, prior injuries and accidents, what are some great tips on trying to get this information from the patient? I mean, sometimes they don't even fill out the paperwork. They just check off two boxes and leave it blank. Yeah. And this does really start with the attorneys. Uh, you know, one thing I feel like after covid We've, we've moved to a lot of DocuSign signups where maybe that first uh, in-person meeting that would always happen at the client's home or at the lawyer's office where you'd have a face-to-face, look each other in the eyes meeting. A lot of things have gone to DocuSign now, and I don't think that's to the attorney's de- uh, benefit. I think it's a detriment to us. I think it's super important that the lawyer actually meet with the client face-to-face whenever possible or at least have a very, very in-depth Zoom call or virtual meeting or long phone call where they're really digging into the prior accidents and injuries. Because I see the same thing. If I send somebody a DocuSign intake and it asks all about prior accidents and injuries, and it even says on there, if you're not honest about your prior accidents or injuries, it will destroy your case. They'll still put, you know, minor fender bender and not any more information in there, even though I have many questions asking it. So really the key is to dig in and, you know, lawyers are natural interrogators, chiropractors are not. So it really, the, the, the onus is really on the attorney first to ask the client a lot of questions about the priors and dig up as much information as possible and then order those prior records and provide them to the chiropractor so that the chiropractor is well aware. Also by having that conversation first with the client, then the client goes to the chiropractor and explains, hey, you know, this is what happened to me in the past, because the lawyer will have explained to the client how important it is to be honest with all the doctors, including the chiropractor, so that your notes are truthful and honest and you have full disclosure. 
you know, sometimes people really don't remember. Other times they do remember, but they're just minimizing it and thinking it wasn't a big deal. And sometimes they are hiding it because they think it's going to hurt their case and they think no one's going to find out. But the insurance companies always find out. And I always tell people, I can handle anything. I don't care if you've been involved in 10 prior accidents and you had 20 years of neck and back pain. If you are honest about it, we can handle it. Uh, but you've got to be honest about it, again, very early on and preferably at the first visit. So I think from a chiropractic standpoint, if you look at the intake paperwork and there's no information about the priors, just take a moment or a few minutes and really talk to the client and explain that, you know, someday a lawyer may put you under deposition as the doctor and you're going to be asked if this patient told you about prior accidents or injuries. And if the client didn't disclose things to you, it's really going to hurt their case. And that they're hurting you by letting you go under oath at a deposition someday if you don't have the full story. So I think if the chiropractor re-emphasizes what the lawyer would have already said, which is it's extremely important to disclose all of your priors, oftentimes they'll open up after that and give more information. It just requires a few more questions, really. Right. No, that's great. Uh, now, I find in my practice about, uh, let's say, 30 to 40% of people that come in in a car accident don't have an attorney. They, they didn't consult right. an attorney. They've been hurting for a few days. For some reason this year, everyone's coming in on day 13. I'm like, guys, you got to get in like now. Uh, yeah. But anyways, that's a different question. That's a different thing. So they come on in. They don't have an attorney. This is where these relationships from a market, we call it marketing. It's not a bad word. Marketing is a great word um, for chiropractors to really build these relationships. I got Marianne on speed dial. I can just text her and be like, hey, what do I do with this case? You know, at fault, not at fault. Um, do I consult with you? Marianne always says yes, at least consult with me because then I can assess the situation. But what, what do you recommend with that when chiropractors are trying to, some people have stigma about uh, lawyers, not, not in a bad way, just they don't want to sue the 19-year-old teenager. You know, They have kids at home. They're like, I don't want to sue. She was a nice girl. Uh, they think it's a personal attack on things. Really, we're just working with insurances when it comes to the behind the scenes. So I try and teach them what I know. But what's your what's your recommendation there when patients come in unattached, we call it, you know, when they don't have a lawyer, they don't have any systems, they just want some some care. Yeah. So I would just explain to them how the billing works in Florida and how they're going to be responsible for that 20% of PIP and that they're going to be responsible for their medical bills. And usually I always recommend that somebody consult with a lawyer. It's always a good idea to get some legal advice if you're involved in an accident. Because sometimes early on, you don't understand if there's permanent injuries or not. So it can never hurt to consult with an attorney. It is free. Uh, personal injury lawyers are one of the very few type of lawyers that do free consultations because we get paid on contingency fee. So it certainly doesn't hurt to talk to a lawyer. Um, I will oftentimes talk to people and tell them how to handle their property damage claim and explain to them how PIP and MedPay work. And if they're not hurt, then of course I encourage them, then don't make a claim. But at least they've had an opportunity to talk to me and get an understanding of how the insurances work and what their rights are. You know, in the state of Florida now, the statute of limitations has decreased from five years down to two years. That was a recent law change in March. So people have plenty of time to make a claim still, even though it's it's a lot less than five, it's still two years. Uh, so it used to be four years for a bodily injury uh, lawsuit and five years for a UM lawsuit. Now it's down to two. But that's still plenty of time. They don't need to hire an attorney immediately, but it's good to at least consult with one, understand their rights and understand when the statute runs. So if it does turn out that they have permanent injuries that they do want to make a claim for, at least they understand you know, what their rights are from day one. 
Right. Great tips there. Yeah. It just, and just having that relationship, I think having uh, as a chiropractor with a couple of attorneys where you, where you can lean on them and just know that they can go there. So I've always used the, the scapegoat. I'm Canadian. I don't know how this all works. You need to talk to a lawyer. <laughs> that's starting to fade now that I've been here for seven years. Like, well, you now know how it works in Rico. So, but that's how I used it. And that was great because they were all call a lawyer and, uh, and get the information from there. So that's great. So you can see how the harmony of this works and how one affects the other. Having good documentation doesn't just make the, the lawyer's job or the attorney's job easier. It makes the patient's case better. That's what we're all about. This is what we're all working on when it comes to this. And the more better cases you get, just naturally, the more referrals you get by everyone around you from that patient that had a great experience with you. They're going to tell their neighbor if anything ever happens, both the attorney and the chiropractor they should go see. So this stuff is where all the little things are planted with seeds, where you leave good impressions all around town in your community, both with professionals and your clients. It goes a really long way. And I speak from that firsthand, uh, developing my practice. Any other tips that you want to leave some chiropractors with when they're dealing with personal injury? Sure. Um, I would say another thing that I see, at least in Florida, is a lot of chiropractors still using impairment ratings. And me personally, as a trial lawyer, I do not like impairment ratings. I can't tell you how many times I've had clients involved in multiple accidents throughout their lives. And typically they have impairment ratings after each accident, uh, if I was not their lawyer before. And those things can definitely hurt them if they're involved in a subsequent accident. What I tend to find with impairment ratings is they're either too low and they hurt the case or they're too high and they hurt the case's credibility. So I, I don't typically find impairment ratings that do any good. Impairment ratings, when you get into a courtroom in front of the jury, are almost impossible to link to a number. It's basically just whatever argument the attorney can come up with. But the problem is once you've got an impairment rating, that's permanent and mm. that's already there. So if they're in another accident and they're hurt worse or they have new injuries, well, they already have this impairment rating from one or two prior accidents and it just really hurts any injuries they have from this new accident. So I don't think they're any good I don't like them in any of my clients' documentation. I think it hurts the client, not only for the current case, but certainly for anything that may happen to them in the future. I think that chiropractors, you know, it definitely depends on which attorney's preferences are which, but um, I feel that a lot of the attorneys that do want impairment ratings are not litigators, and they haven't seen how this plays in front of a jury. But generally speaking, it's not good. I tried a case um, a couple of years ago where my client... Uh, was catastrophically injured. He had an aortic rupture. He had a broken arm. He had a broken leg. I mean, just horrific fractures. And he already had like a 19% impairment rating from some herniated discs from an accident a couple years prior to that. And, you know, again, the insurance company tried to make a big deal of it. And when you're comparing the, the gravity of those two cases, the new case only added a few percent of impairment to that, despite the fractures in the aortic dissection. Uh, so I really think impairment ratings are something that chiropractors should stay away from. At least that's my opinion. But, you know, every every lawyer thinks differently, I'm sure. I like it. I like it. And that's going to split uh, a lot of people that are listening because um, they're taught we're taught how to do it. But even though we're taught how to do it, I'm not very certain in that number when I write it down. And I don't do it very often. It's pretty much programmed in a lot of our EHRs to just document like a, a spread like a kind of a guideline for that first note. And uh, it's it's in there. So sometimes we feel like we can use the Oswest reforms and, and fill out the number and do the math and put an impairment rating on there. But really, if you go back to schooling, 
we were taught a very long system on finding impairment and actually watching the pain, like a workers' comp assessment where you're lifting boxes and doing movements in your practice. And I'm not trying to call out the chiropractors, but I'm telling you, none of you are doing this <laughs> unless you truly run an injury center. So, um, so stay away from impairment. I, I like that uh, advice too, because I just don't feel confident with that stuff too. So when I put documentation, I have to be confident in what's being said uh, and how, I, how I'm seeing this objectively. Uh, so that's what documentation is all about. So that's great. This was awesome. This turned out great. Anything else? Yeah. Um, the only other thing I would say is getting out to specialists and imaging early. Um, I think mm. that that is important in the case. But of course, it also depends on policy limits because we don't want to leave the, your patient or, or my client with a whole bunch of bills that they cannot pay back at the end of the case. Uh, in Florida, as we know, there's no mandatory bodily injury. So sometimes people don't have any coverage other than PIP, or sometimes there's only $10,000 in coverage. And so it's it's definitely managing the case with the policy limits in mind because we want to get the patient better, but we don't want to leave the patient with a whole bunch of bills that they can't pay back. But right. when the policy limits are there and the patient has the complaints and the symptomatology, it's important to get those people out for the right imaging and to the right specialist early. And, uh, you know, not waiting until it's too late and it, and it looks, you know, not good for the case. Yeah. And that goes under standards of care, whether they're PI or not, if a patient came in off the street, you know, wellness care, cash or whatever insurance, uh, you would still send them for an MRI if you were worried about them whipping their neck from whatever falling on the ice. I mean, you would do the exact same thing for that patient. So I have no qualms about sending for imaging immediately. That's, uh, that's absolutely a great tip as well. Marianne, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. I know you're busy. Uh, this is great. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe, like, share, and leave a rating. It helps get our podcast out to more listeners. Also, join Marketing 101 for Chiropractors on Facebook or visit us at EnricoD.com for more information on growing and scaling your business.